0: My name's Todd. And this is Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 726. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I'm going to answer some questions. One of my buddies, who has a six-year-old daughter, is wondering about... Um, What what is it, sweetie? Wondering about I have no
1: idea. Um, Because I thought we were talking
0: about perfectionism. No, 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 no. Uh, Sensitive, highly sensitive children. As we did last week. I know. And it's just a follow-up to it. Oh, okay. Um, So it's just a few questions that I want to riff with you on. And then you're going to talk about perfectionism? Correct. But first, we have a big announcement. Hold on. Let me do drum rolls.
1: (laughs) It's such a big announcement. It is. Because, listen, everybody... We do this thing called the Zen Parenting Conference.
0: Don't call it a conference.
1: Don't call it a conference. And we've been doing it since, what, 2015?
0: Well, I'm looking right behind you. I'm looking at the uh, posters. But yeah, let's just say 2015. I don't know.
1: So anyway, the last time we did a live and in-person uh, you know, event was 2020. And it was literally a week before everything shut down. It was at the end of February. I remember it very well because we were just starting to, you know, hear a little bit about something called COVID. Anyway, we haven't had a live and in-person event since then, but guess what? It's coming back. We are doing it in January of 2024. We are hosting another Zen Parenting get-together <laughs> community speakers um, uh, what else? How else can I say it? Connection. We're so excited, and the most important part of this year is we decided to focus all our energy on teens. Why? Because teens need support right now, and and we need to know how to support them. We often think that what teens are going through is very similar to our history, like our time as Gen Xers, our teenage world, it's not true, everybody. They're going through so much more. Todd, do you have that list in
0: front of you that we just read? It's a different world. Um, So 30 years ago, what you and I, back in the 80s, sweetie, we were worried about drunk driving, pregnancy, and drugs. Yeah, which were significant, but... Today, it's anxiety, depression, suicide, uh, self-harm, cyberbullying, and serious mental health disorders. Uh, It's just a different world, and we love doing this event, and we're doing it again. And we already have some people signed up because Team Zen got the inside inside scoop, but now it's open to the public, and there is limited seating available. So just uh, scroll on your phone, if you're listening on your phone right now, and just click on the top link. It's the Zen Parenting uh, 2024.
1: And on this podcast, we're going to tell you, you have to go to the link to see the lineup. Mm. We're going to make you go see our lineup for this year. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. You will be excited. Are we going to tell them or no? No, because I want them to click on the link.
0: It's a tease.
1: It's a tease, yeah. Yes. And, you know, listen, here's the other thing. The other reason that Todd and I really wanted to focus on teens is because I talked to, you know, our clients, all the people we work with, and even my own daughters, you know, talking to them about their friends and talking to their friends and my college students, they are having a hard time getting services. There are therapists that have waiting lists there is partial hospitalization or inpatient units that are full there are groups that are no longer existent you know in existence so like a lot changed because of covid and the need has gone up and so we we thought how can we focus on something bring people together bring these speakers all in one place and create a community around supporting our teens now, if you have younger children or children who are um, in middle school or even um, you know young adults like we we have kind of a blend we have twenty year old eighteen year old fifteen year old you're st- you're still going to get a lot out of this of course you know if you have an emerging teen or you have young kids and you really want to start thinking about how do I want to approach
0: these years yeah you don't have to have a no. child of a, that's a teenager to do it. And to your point, if you have somebody in their 20s, like, oh, gee, I wonder if mental health is an important thing for somebody in your 20s. Of (laughs) Uh, course. I think so. And then same goes if your kids are in uh, elementary or middle school. So um, we have 11 speakers. Yeah. If you include us, and I'm sure we'll do a little talking. We have 13. That's 13. Lucky number 13. Taylor Swift. So I like the fact that you're making people go to the website to check it out. But yeah, it's going to be off the hook. I hope you all decide to join us because it's going to be a wonderful two-day event in Oak Brook, Illinois in January 2627.
1: Yeah. In Oak Brook for those of you who are listening from far away is outside of Chicago. So it's still a Chicago focused, um, event, but it's just a little, it's a little closer to the airport. Um, and, it's uh, close to our house close to, to, <laughs> and there's a parking lot. You don't have to worry about all that kind of thing. So, well, you don't have to pay for parking. Yeah. But in stuff. Chicago, you know how everything is, we love the city, but everything gets a little more, uh, Oh yeah, we tried to do difficult. it by the
0: airport and it was a, that was a mess. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's about, it's a 15 minute drive from O'Hare and maybe 25 minutes from Midway. So,
1: oh, and please join us. It's going to be so fun. Todd and I are so
0: ready to you know, be back in this live event world. It's going to be off the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So here's my buddy's uh, question. Because we last week we did something on highly sensitive people. Yeah. Um, and I just, because I love this guy, um, he said, I said, what questions do you want us to kind of cover? Mm-hmm. So there's like seven of them. So I don't want to spend 20 minutes on each one. Okay. How? So he has a six-year-old and he wants to know how long do you let tantrums last for a six-year-old?
1: Well... I mean, you know what I'm going to say. It depends. It depends on the kid. It depends on why. We should talk about tantrums. What is a tantrum? Well, and that's the thing is I almost feel like we should just come up with a new word because I think when we think about a tantrum, we think that it's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Oh, Todd, the fly just went across the screen. He's messing with me. Yes, he is. Because we're on Zoom,
0: there's this fly in here and he's bugging me. Kathy gets this piercing look in her eyes when it comes (laughs) to flies. I
1: cannot stand What do you like
0: better, flies or mosquitoes?
1: Well- I don't love either one of them, and I understand their importance, but this guy, this fly that's in here, he's excited to be alive. Yes. He is buzzing by our ears. He's brand new. He is literally just, he's just coming into the world, so he's a a little annoying. Sweetie, what is a tantrum? So a tantrum is, and again, let's not, I want to play with that language. What people think a tantrum is, is something that is... Um, inappropriate, disrespectful, um, dramatic, oversensitive. And really, all that's happening in that moment is a kid is releasing their frustration, their sadness, their embarrassment. Um, they are, you know, acknowledging their feelings. And a lot of times, especially with a six year old, because we're talking about a six year old, it's just their way of communicating and they don't have the ability ability to regulate all of those emotions yet, not because you've failed as a parent, but because their brain hasn't developed in such a way yet. So I just, the word tantrum, it's really not a problem to use that word, but I feel like in our there's minds- There's a stigma against it. it we'll say, are you going to throw a tantrum? Like there's a bratty component to it. So I think even as parents, I think,
0: I think you're right. I think the idea of us relabeling it yeah. may give it different energy.
1: So I would call it communication. I would call it releasing of emotion. I would call it an opportunity to slow down and stop what you're doing. Like parents who a kid starts kind of falling apart and they start kicking on the floor and that's when the parent starts decides to start yelling you're just exacerbating it. Like they're already
0: reached their limit. Yeah, they're in the reptilian part of their Correct. brain. And well, and it's a six year old. So the six year old doesn't have a prefrontal cortex developed. It's
1: developing. Yeah. It's developing. It's there. I mean, they can rationalize a little bit, but not the way an eight year old, nine year old, 10 year old, or, you know, an adult can. So they're just basically saying picture them like a, uh, you know, like all of us human beings is like a cup. And During the day, we fill up with more stuff. And sometimes we get the opportunity to release some through crying or laughing. So we're just kind of always filling up. A tantrum is when that kid's cup is so full that they literally can't do it anymore, whatever that is. They may not be able to listen to you anymore. They may not be able to walk through the store. They may not be able to take the next, you know, uh, what is it, like direction from the teacher, whatever it may be. They are basically saying, I am am full. So you can understand why the goal is then to slow down, not to speed up. And to stop and allow them to, you know, that's the opportunity where if they'll let you rub their back or hold their hand, sometimes they they don't. And that doesn't mean they don't love you. It just means even touching is too much. Mm -hmm. But if they let you, what you're trying to do is help them calm their nervous system down. You want to help them regulate. And there is a teaching component, but I'd worry less about I'm teaching them something and more about how to help them get back to you know, a state of mind where they don't feel the need to kick, scream, yell. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead of worrying about when will this happen again, it's more about how do I get back to help them
0: get to an equilibrium. Second question. Okay. How normal is it for a six-year-old to have a tantrum?
1: Very normal. It's so normal. And I, you know... And again, for this, your friend who's writing this, I remember, um, I'm thinking of Skylar just probably cause she's our youngest and it's more, you know, on my mind. But when she was around that age, five, six, seven, uh, do you remember when she would like sit there and I could see her eyes like welling up mm-hmm. and I would say, do you need to get your sads out? Yeah. And she would say yes. And then she would just cry and like move around. And sometimes she'd we'd hold her and sometimes she'd just kind of roll on the floor. And so I, I tried to like not frame it as, you know, are you about to fall apart? Mm-hmm. You know, I try. I tried to recognize that she was starting to lose her capability. I always picture her with like waffles or something. Right. Like there was always these times in the walt- morning. A
0: lot of waffles, a lot of syrup. A
1: lot of stickiness. Yes. And I would just say, oh, do you just need to get your sads out? I get it. You know, let's go do it. And so just think about how much that language changes the way you view that moment. Because then when they're done, you can be like, wow, good for you. Uh,
0: next question. How do you support a six-year-old uh, how you, do you support a six-year-old's fear without being pushy or passive?
1: No, do you no, have an I, example for me?
0: No, I don't. Um, how do you support a six-year-old's fear without being pushy or passive? I don't know where he was going with it.
1: Maybe he's saying, "How do you acknowledge or validate fear, and then not try and talk him out of it?"
0: Yeah, I think that's what it. I think that's what he's asking.
1: Yeah, I mean, when kids are afraid, um, yeah. You know why? Because they haven't done the things mm-hmm. we've done. Because thing they've had an experience, maybe one or two, that have led them to believe that every experience will be like that again. You've got to remember, they have a different brain. They don't have as much information. Mm-hmm. They don't have as much experience. They don't have a they don't have a rational thinking mind that's well, you know, formed. And of course, they're going to be afraid. Like I was just talking to my oldest daughter or my uh, youngest daughter about you know going to uh, Six Flags. And she went on all these roller coasters. And while she was telling me about it, she's like, yeah. And then this one I went on, I had been on it a bunch of times, but then I was scared this time when I went on it. And then, but when I went down, here's what I did. And then I decided to not go on this one because, and she's even acknowledging when she's afraid and then some, and even if she's done it before, she's still afraid, And even though I'm talking about roller coasters, isn't life a roller coaster? Like sometimes they're afraid to go to school. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're afraid to ask someone to be their friend. Sometimes they're not. So you can acknowledge their fear every single time. Acknowledging and validating their fear is not reinforcing their fear.
0: What about a six-year-old who has verbalized thoughts like, I'm a bad daughter? She hits herself sometimes. It's scary. Some language she uses that does not come from us. She talks about herself and we have no idea where she's picked that up.
1: Right. Well, and she's probably not using language that anyone, you know, nobody is saying to her, you're a bad daughter. But there's a message that she has that it can, that she, there that there are actually good or bad people or that good or bad emotions or um, that she either gets more love when she's a certain way and less love when she's another way. And that's not, I'm not, this isn't about your buddy. Like this is yeah. human behavior. This yeah. happens in every family. So acknowledging that and recognizing that it's all about first of all the the language of choices. You always have to say to kids it's not about you're a good or bad person. It's that there's good and not as great choices. <laughs> you know, you don't even have to use the word bad. You can yeah. be like this was a good choice. This choice wasn't so great. So then you start to rec- they start to recognize that they are all of the things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they make good choices, sometimes they make poor choices, and we all do. It's yeah. not about them as a person. It is about this experience what because I think you know, parents are very, they feel the need to tell their kids they did something bad or that they're bad because they want to like drive a sense of like, you know, you should feel guilty about this. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, if you say to them, you are bad, that doesn't drive guilt, that drives shame. That that creates an internal sense of I am not a worthy human being. Yeah. So you want to differentiate and kind of, you know, focus on all their parts. Yeah. And I would also say that there is something, and and it may not even be from parents. It could be something she learned, you know, an experience she had in school or an experience she had with a friend where she feels like, for some reason, you know, she doesn't feel up to par yeah. for whatever reason. And having conversations with her when she's okay about that, yeah. you know, like when I say when she's okay, like before bed when she's really lovey or when she's feeling good, or you are in the car together saying, "Hey," you don't even have to like you could ask her some questions, but say, you know, sometimes when you are really upset. When you're getting your sads out, you know, you say things like, you know, I'm not a good person and say, I just, I just want you to know you're one of the best people I know. Mm -hmm. And that I understand when you have a lot of feelings, that's how it feels. But I want you to remember that I think you're amazing and that you are worthy of respect and love and, you know, however your kid would receive it.
0: Well, and what I would add uh, to everything you're saying, which is all really good. um, And this may be obvious, but I'll say it anyways. Don't try to teach anything when the kid's melting mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Bad idea. Their brain shut off. You're not going to get anywhere. You're right. just going to frustrate yourself. And then secondly, this
1: but is... But you can focus on soothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can soothe. You, you're not teaching with right. words. You're soothing. Right. And mm-hmm. I think
0: like we used to put our kids in cranial sacral positions where we put their mm-hmm. hand on the back of their head. Yeah. And Call them, help them calm down their nervous system. Um. And, you know, just, yeah, how you hold them Mm -hmm. has certain energy points and we're not going to get to it today. Well, I can
1: do a really quick one. If you can put your, if they allow you to hug them and you can put one hand on the back of their neck, and this is really gentle, and then one hand on their sacrum, which is much lower, like at the bottom of the spine, there's something about, there's two pulses there. And if you're really, if you can feel, you know, if your hands are real sensitive, you can feel the pulse. And the goal is to to help them calm down where the pulses start to pulse together. Mm-hmm. Now, this is very Reiki, and, 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 and you don't have to be able to feel that. Just know that your intention, The it's all about intention.
0: Well, and I will tell you, dude, it actually works. Oh, yeah. At least mm-hmm. it, it, it gave us some results. Like there is something to where you put pressure, not even pressure. It's not even pressure, um, right? Light. Touch on the body. Um, And then the other thing is, this is all a big fat test to see how you can be chill when your kid's melting down. So this is all an internal thing. And I appreciate my friend asking me questions on, you know, what do I do? What you need to do is be self-aware and try to be as, and I, I, we've all been there, right? Oh, every
1: single one of us. Our
0: kids have melted down. Our kids have had tantrums. And it's super hard to be chill in the middle of a tantrum slash meltdown.
1: And that's why while you're listening to this podcast, you you know, your friend and everybody else is really start analyzing that our fears around these things. What does a tantrum mean? Mm -hmm. Is a tantrum bad? Does this mean my kid is going to have problems forever? Um, Is my kid going to tantrum their way through, you know, kindergarten and first grade? Try to really deflate or take some of the air out of that balloon because, again, a tantrum or the releasing of emotion is just communication. They're mm. just letting you know yeah. I'm overwhelmed, and their ability to release that versus stifle that is more healthy in
0: the long run. Well, and be cautious on uh, comparing yourself, yeah. or other kids, yeah. Um, Every because you know, we're different. at a father daughter camp, uh, and th- that's where I ran, it, hung with my buddy, and he's probably looking at other six year olds that are not. Melting down in
1: that moment, in that
0: moment, they thinking, might melt down thinking, What's wrong with my kid? Like, be super cautious of the comparison of yeah. one daughter versus another girl that you see, or even yourself versus another dad that you see, because comparison in that through that lens is probably not the best idea.
1: Yeah, literally. I mean, the looking at other kids, our kids' age in certain scenarios, and saying, My kid should be doing that because you know right. other kids their age are it's really unfair because some kids really thrive in events like that like what you guys did or maybe in a class that's like their place where they have a really hard time at home being alone or being ignored or you know not that we should be ignoring our kids but what i mean is that they are they feel like no one's paying attention to them and that's when they have their meltdowns mm-hmm. so it's like you don't know anybody's story and let me tell you just to like throw a big thing into this you know, I study cults all the time and high control groups and, you know, abusive relationships. And a lot of times the kids that are like never having an emotional experience to anything are often highly controlled and not in positive ways. And now when I'm saying that, everybody, don't be afraid. Like if your kid's listening to you and doing a good job, that's great. I'm not saying you're, you're over controlling them. But what I'm saying is sometimes we look at families and we'll be like, wow, why does your kid do everything you say? And why there was actually a a a big like parenting and i wouldn't call her an expert she was like a youtuber and like she was on social media all the time and she would like always demonstrate how she controlled her kids like she would keep not let them eat meals and do all these things and she was just arrested for child abuse two days ago and she's like a big person in that world and so my point is is sometimes the controlling a child that is always is never having any kind of tantrum or 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 communicating to you that they have different needs, that's not always a great thing. You want to have a kid who has a mind and an experience with their emotions and can relate to you and that you can help soothe them. That's how you build a relationship with kids. I honor the discomfort of being embarrassed and everything. We All all parents have that, you know, where we're like, ooh, this is in a public place. I get it, but I would focus less on that and more on I'm building a relationship with my kid and I'm getting to know my kid better.
0: Dan Siegel wrote that book. I don't know which one it was, but the goal um, that I have as a parent is to hopefully help my kid feel safe, seen, soothed, and supported. Absolutely. So just keep those four words in mind, safe, seen, soothed, and supported. A few other things I just want to mention about the comparison thing. I don't think I can shut that compare the the one in me who compares. So I don't want my friend to think, Oh, I'm, you know, feeling guilty because Mm -hmm. like that one, that voice is going to show up. Just not, don't give it that much influence. So that's the one thing. And then what you talked about is how I, I've heard so many times where a parent will say to me, Oh, my girls are so dramatic and my boys are just so easy. And I I've said this before, um, the fact that let's just say that a girl in a family is more dramatic. Oops, sorry about that. Um, that is... Well, sh- uh, how about more expressive?
1: Because even saying dramatic makes it... S- sorry, babe. Why are we having all these sounds? Go ahead. Um, even saying the word dramatic, it's not... Dramatic sounds like theatrical. Yeah. And really, you have a daughter who's emotional. more expressive. Right. Yeah.
0: Ex- emotionally expressive. Mm-hmm. So what I want to say is, if you're going to give me two different kids, one who's doesn't seem to have any problems, and I don't know if any kid doesn't have any problems, and a kid who's telling me about their problems, give me the kid that's telling me about their problems, because that's what, that's called being a human being, and our job as yeah. parents is to be able to hear that, and sometimes it's hard to hear the tough stuff. You and I are going through some stuff yeah. right
1: now. Yeah, I was going to say, my sister and I were having conversations about this this weekend because um, we, you know, we were kind of talking about our own family and our own history and people we knew. And there was a time when with parents, there was more of an experience of don't tell me anything unless you're going to tell me good news. Like if you're going to tell me bad news, or if you're going to tell me that you're struggling with something, I don't want to hear it. That it's kind of, I don't know if I'd say that's a Gen X thing, but there was more of a, there was less opening for, I'm really feeling this way. Mm. So if you have, uh, maintained a relationship with your kids and you're pretty connected they will come to you when they're having hard times which which thank goodness but what that means is you know then when they're having a hard time and you have to continue to focus on yourself and work on how you manage that not solve it for them you're not the solver you are someone they come to And my work is, because I'm so, you know, I'm a highly sensitive person, when my children tell me things they're struggling with, it's so hard because I love them so much and I don't want them to struggle. But I also realize that what's happening is they're telling me their feelings, they are trusting me, and they know I'm always there. And that's everything I have wanted. And so my work then is to make sure that I can show up for that, that I am in a place where I'm not overly worried or like problem solving for them. Uh, Todd gets a lot of my, uh, feelings, uh, you know, I'll come to him and say, help me kind of put this in perspective. And I'm telling you, uh, Skylar and I were just talking about that Mark Twain quote about like, I've had so many problems in my life and only to, and 10% 10% of them actually came true. Yeah. What I'm, why I'm using that is my girls are telling me all these feelings they're having, but really they're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. They're just normal human beings having this feeling or that feeling. And we've gone through so much change, uh, Todd and I specifically. We have a daughter who's traveling internationally right now. We have a daughter who just started college. We have a daughter who's going to be driving in two weeks. Like There's so many feelings, emotions, change. And our work is to stay stable and depend on each other or our therapists or our friends so we can show up for our kids when they need us. And that when they show up, when they come to us and they release what they're feeling, then they're better. Yeah. Instead of pushing it down and saying I'm only going to tell my parents about good things that happen, that's that's great when good things happen. We want to hear that too, but
0: I should have uh, said this at the beginning um but if somebody's listening to this like, well, sorry, I don't have any um, toddlers or pre-adolescents. And it reminds me of that joke, which I love, is what's the difference between a toddler and a teenager? Nothing. Nothing. So all the things that we thought we were done with, once teenager years come around, it shows up similarly.
1: Yeah. And I would say we're not saying that in a disparaging way. We're not making fun of teenagers. I love teenagers. What we mean is that they go through the same process of separation, separation, individuation. Three-year-olds need to separate from us us because they need to do things on their own. I do it myself. You know, no, I'm not going to hold your hand. Teenagers need to do a very similar thing, and sometimes they're on and off. Sometimes they're like, please hold my hand, and sometimes they're like, no, not today. So we have to recognize they're supposed to be individuating.
0: So I'm going to, uh, just so everybody knows, I'm going to include this YouTube clip that I love, and it's titled, Dad Holding Space for His Daughter's Big Big Feelings. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't translate on a podcast, but if you click on that, you will see an inspirational video of a dad knowing how to hold space for a, ta- I think she's a... Somewhere between an infant and a toddler. I don't know what the difference is.
1: It's interesting that you're sharing this because he was the person I was picturing in my mind when I was saying when your daughter's really, you know, we'll use the word tantrum to keep things streamlined here. Having a tantrum, your ability to hold her hand or to rubber her back. that dad, does it in this point. video that, dad, that Todd's talking about, he does hold her and then she sh- she shakes away from him and she and he lets
0: her and he lets her and
1: then when she comes back he's there and then when she needs to move away he lets her yeah. you're you're there and it takes patience and breathing like these are not things you can learn intellectually yeah you've got to you can start there but then you've got to practice it and you have to trust and you have to allow and all these very you know buddhist kind of zen you know i was listening to a different podcast the other day Um, And it was about things that were like economics, habits, all these things. And someone said, well, what's the common denominator here? And the guy said, it all comes back to Zen Buddhism, doesn't it? And what he meant by that is it's about being here. It's about knowing that things change. It's about being in, you know, calming your body to be in the present. It's It's about understanding the bigger picture and the paradox. This is why Todd and I named our show Zen Parenting.
0: That's right. Uh, we're going to skip over the last two questions because they're huge is it is it no television limited tv or tv whenever and i refer to next week's podcast quick word from our partner of the week coco sleep bedtime stories and meditations for kids if you have children and find bedtimes a struggle this is for you have you got kids who can't break away from their screens at bedtime this is for you coco sleep is a podcast
1: of original bedtime stories and sleep meditations for kids content is delivered in friendly, soft tones, getting slower as the episode goes on to encourage sleep. There are over 200 stories and meditations to choose from, with three episodes added every single week.
0: I just listened to Potato and Beans Meet Detective Hashbrown. It's a big mystery, sweetie. <laughs> and Detective Hashbrown is there to help out. Coco Sleep has helped improve over 10 million bedtimes since its launch in late 2021, and now welcomes one million listeners a month. So tonight, find out what
1: the fuss is about. Subscribe to Coco Sleep wherever you listen to podcasts and start listening for free tonight. Just search K-O-K-O Sleep on your favorite podcast app. Make bedtimes a dream.
0: No television, limited TV or TV whenever, and I refer to next week's podcast. With Devorah
1: Heitner, her new book is called Growing Up in Public. It's all about screen time and um, uh, connecting to our kids through, what's it called? Life 360 yeah.
0: and Find, find friends. friends,
1: and then also Sexting. It's a really great episode. Yeah, and
0: that's next Tuesday. And we've done a million podcasts on yeah, screens, screens and tech.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then the last question she says, Where's the line from doing things for her and letting her do it herself? Still working through that myself.
1: You, right? you, will, you will for the rest of your life, Dad, if this is a dad. Yes, it is. Like you, you. You just keep, you, you kind of go. I always talk about going in and coming out. Like you start something for them, and when they're like, I got it, then you back up. And then if they seem to be struggling, you ask, Would you like my support? Uh, can I help? You know, you say it in a kid friendly way.
0: Uh, he closes by saying, Six is challenging. We have a super sweet and funny and smart kids, but sometimes she could be a monster. And, you know, he's yeah, all that, human
1: beings. Right. All human. This is not just, and when I say this, I'm not trying to not say your situation has unique components because everybody, you know, I totally get that. But what I'm saying is that all human beings are all of those things. Yeah. We we are funny, sweet, monstrous, mean, judgmental, kind, loving, hard on ourselves, hard on others. Like that's human.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Perfectionism. Okay. Go.
1: All right. So I've been kind of like doing some, I've been writing about this lately, so I found some kind of fun research that I thought people would appreciate about perfectionism if anybody identifies as such. Um, I don't identify as a perfectionist, really, but I, like all people, I have tendencies. You do, too, wouldn't you say?
0: Uh, of being a perfectionist? Tendencies, yeah. Of course. Well, yeah. I mean, we're all, all of them. Right. right. Good point. So there's a perfectionist in each one of us. There is. That's either pushed down or overly around
1: and there is you know in some people if you're an, an enneagram person, if you are a one on the enneagram um, that tends to be that th- they often call number one the perfectionist um, or there was another word that they use for it but it's just this belief that if we can um, focus on doing things exactly right, it will decrease. Our emotions, like we'll be able to stay calmer, and that we'll get a jump on things before the outside world tells us that we did something wrong. So, I'm just going to give you something that it was really interesting to me. So, um, perfectionism. I mean, it's basically it's you know us trying to get to impossible standards and be impeccable and, you know, make sure that we do everything exactly right. But there's three different types of perfectionism. And I found this really interesting. Um, It's either inflicted from within. So that's called self-oriented. We are internally trying, you know, perfectionistic. We're hard on ourselves or projected onto others. So that's other oriented. Like, for example, if I expected you to be perfect, okay, or three absorbed from those around us that's called socially prescribed so that's basically with this generation with gen z maybe millennials as well all of us but more so millennials and gen z they are experiencing that socially like um oriented you know kind of um perfectionism where they're absorbing it from the ethers because they're seeing it on social media every day, on YouTube every day. So they believe they're perfectionistic because they're trying to get to that standard all the time. So,
0: Which is a pretend standard.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a false, made-up um, created, filtered, standard. So we get
0: self-oriented, other-oriented, and then the one that we see. Uh, what's between other-oriented and uh, and socially prescribed? Again, projected onto you. I believe you should be perfect. Okay. So you're
1: either doing it internally, and mm-hmm. it's just your dialogue that I need or to you're be perfect putting it on me, or I'm telling you, I'm like, I can't believe
0: that you are you late. made a
1: mistake. Right. Okay, And then the social, the other one is where you're absorbing it from the outside world. Got it. And then it probably turns into some self-oriented. Yeah. It's kind of a cycle. Yeah. Okay. Because remember, the more, you know, this is so old school, Todd, you'll remember this. um, This is like an old Deepak Chopra thing that you and I used to talk about like 20 years ago, is that if you are judgmental of yourself, if you have this like, you know, self-oriented perfectionism. That is the way you see the world and that's why you'll judge other people. So really that's why I'm using this Deepak Chopra thing is it was the first time I had heard someone say, if you decrease your judgment on yourself and you are more compassionate toward yourself, that becomes the lens of how you see everybody else. So then you'll naturally be, you know, less judgmental of others. So. Um, so here's the interesting thing. I loved this perfectionism, where people think that it's
0: like this way to be Pretty, impeccable. There's a fly right behind you. Oh my god, he's, are you serious? Yeah, grab the towel. Okay, turn around. Okay, up top. Oh, you missed him. Oh, oh. dang it. Oh, this that was a, so.
1: Is, that was so.
0: This is a play by play. Oh, oh there. Wait. No, he's flying oh, around. Let's okay. keep talking. And if he's he's, lit, he's right there. If he lands, I'll let you know. He's right there. That's 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 not it. That is two? Um, no, he's flying just, around. Just talk about something for a second. Deepak Chopra. I haven't read a book of his. You're not going to catch him. He's flying around.
1: He, there's one right here, too.
0: I think you're swatting it. Oh, now she's getting mad at my... Oh, there you got that one. Okay, okay, okay. One down, one to go. Sorry. I think there's two in here. Okay. <laughs> Dudes. Oh, there's another one.
1: I. There is this thing that happens... Like every if you've listened to this show before, like for years, there's this period of time where there flies are like more. I don't know if it's always in this early fall, mm-hmm. but it's like there'll be no flies. And then all of a sudden there's like flies. That's my deep thought. <laughs> That's my deep thought.
0: Um, I forgot to play this earlier by the way. Okay, use let's hear use it. the word literally. Yeah. So I just found this. That literally is the most moving thing I've ever heard. Literally. 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 Pawnee is literally the greatest town in the country. Literally. 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 There's literally nothing in this world that you cannot do. Literally. literally. I think that's about it
1: That's Chris Traeger. That's my buddy Chris Traeger. That's right. Um, Okay. Um, Parks and Rec, everybody. Parks and Rec. That's Rob Lowe's character. Um, Literally. So, okay. So, three things I want to say about perfectionism, and I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Okay. So, perfectionism is actually... Anti resilient because we become so fragile.
0: What is the opposite of resilience? Um, being weak
1: or being. It, the inability to be resilient. I mean, I don't know what the exact word would be because weak it. is kind of, yeah, you know, look it up. We've got chat, on GPT, or whatever. So we become so fragile in the face of any kind of failure that we don't do things. It's like self sabotage. Mm-hmm. So perfectionism is actually not inability to like stay on top of things it actually makes us very fragile because we are unwilling to make a mistake acknowledge a mistake or even have the possibility that there would be a mistake resilience comes from oh i'm doing things at a normal tone and pace as everybody else and oh i forgot something sorry about that i'll fix that but a perfectionistic you know mentality is that that can't happen right so Um, So, what word did you come up with? Oh, I'm struggling here. Okay, so um, the other thing is that it is in our culture. I thought this is so great. It's like our favorite flaw, right? So we build up perfectionism as being actually a good thing. Think about a um, fragile.
0: That's the opposite.
1: Fragile. Fragile. Okay. Well, then I actually used that word, so it worked out just fine. But perfectionism is like a. When we're doing a job interview, mm-hmm. you know, tell me what your weakness is. Well, I'm a perfectionist. I just make sure everything is right. And we as a culture love that.
0: We're yeah. like, well, then this person's going to be on it. I remember learning that in college that that's how I'm supposed to answer sure. that interview question.
1: Yeah, it's like we put perfectionism on a pedestal yeah. where we're like, actually, that's worthy of respect. When actually, again, it's self-sabotaging. It's You don't want someone on your team who... um is so perfectionistic that, A, there's a lot of things that can come out of perfectionism. Number one, you're unwilling to admit mistakes yeah. so you can't repair yeah. or apologize. Number two, you're so afraid of making mistakes that you're not taking care of yourself and you're so judgmental that you're worn down. Or number three, you have no ability to like pay attention because you're always so hyper aware of what could go wrong. Like you're not enjoying things. Like there's, there's a a sense of intensity about you that kind of keep, even if it's not affecting other people, it's affecting you. This is not about your, you know, if you're a perfectionist, you're, you know, a drag for other people, but it's not a great way to live. You know, like your brain is, um, you know, always on overdrive worried. Um, this is, I thought this was interesting. So, as far as our culture, like like loving a perfectionist, these were some examples they gave. Monet, you know, Claude Monet, the artist? Oh, I love him. Oh, Monet. I love his work. Monier. <laughs> what was that guy's name in Breakfast Club? Monet
0: really pumps
1: my, my ass. Okay. Well, this is not him. This is Monet, the artist. On the eve of an exhibition, he famously vandalized a set of his paintings that he felt were lacking. Okay. Because he just couldn't handle it. Charlie Chaplin insisted on 342 takes for one shot in his movie City Lights. Yikes. And Stanley, Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. we know this story, when filming The Shining, had a typist repeatedly tap out, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, so he could be abs- absolutely certain that the sound recording was authentic and perfect to each distinct letter.
0: Well, we listen to pop culture where they did Eyes Wide Shut, and Yeah, Kubrick was beyond... A perfectionist. A perfectionist.
1: Yeah, and these are the kind of directors that like yell at people and slap people. And and people you know, will be
0: okay with it because it's Stanley Kubrick.
1: They're like, he's a genius. Yeah, and right. it's actually not genius. It's abusive. Yeah. We we're very, I'm actually reading a book right now um, by Maureen Dowd called burn it down. And it's about Hollywood. And that's what we've done. We did that with Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. before the whole me too thing. We're like, well, he's a genius. He's won all these Academy Awards. And so we're just going to let him do these awful things.
0: Sweetie, it's Shakespeare in love. <laughs> Who did that beat out? You don't want to know. Saving Private Ryan. Yikes. Right. Shakespeare in Love is yeah. a better movie than Saving Private Ryan. No, come on.
1: It had a better marketing campaign. Stop it. I mean, in, this is a thing. Gwyneth should have won for Best Actress, which she, which she did. It was worthy of getting the nomination. But Saving Private Ryan did not win Best Picture. That's I mean, crazy. come on. So anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Todd and I are going into our pop culture. Um, so... Anyway, this whole idea of that a perfectionist is somebody that we should hold up and regard as being some kind of genius is not always true. We really have to – again, just saying that it's our favorite flaw and that um, that our culture holds it up to be really valuable. We've got to like question – just like we were saying to that dad about question what a tantrum means. Right. Question what genius really means. Like who do you want to spend time with? Mm-hmm. Who – as far as a manager or a parent or a coworker or – just somebody that you're working with? Do you want to be with someone who's such a perfectionist that they can't
0: let go? Well, and I feel like perfectionist is like the opposite of authenticity. Right. I mean, maybe it's possible that some people are more perfectionistic, so they are being authentic, but if you're a human being, you're flawed. Right. let's just own our flaws.
1: Oh, and it's like such a relief to recognize that and then you don't have to work so hard to pretend you're not like I'll go back to the it's story exhausting. I was telling about my daughter and going on roller coasters and stuff and she'll often say like nobody else says they're scared like everybody you know everybody says they're not scared or you know she all of my daughters have said this you know I'm going on a ride or I'm going here for the first time or we're going on the bus and nobody else is scared I'm like of course they are mm-hmm. every and not because they're flawed human beings but because they're human beings yeah. everybody gets afraid what we have an inability to do do is admit it and it goes back to what i was saying before it's this vulnerability thing where we've learned from our parents or coaches or friends or community that when i say i'm scared people don't want to hear it they're like no you're not you shouldn't be yeah instead of oh sure that's normal that's understandable because when you can release that valve that pressure of i shouldn't be scared or i shouldn't be having a tantrum or i you know it's less daunting you yeah. can actually move forward with less Overwhelmed. Truth. So, um, and then here's the one you're going to love, Todd. All right. Survivor bias. I loved this because I think this is true with parenting too. So, our celebration of perfectionism is survivor bias. This is what happens when we only hear the stories of the winners, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's plenty of evidence um, that illustrates why, for most of us, still perfectionism doesn't apply that many benefits. For example, I'm just going to read this. I haven't read this before, but I'm going to see what it says. For example, one recent analysis of workers found no link between performance and self-oriented perfectionism at all. Mm-hmm. So what that meant is that people who are really hard on themselves and are like, I need to do this perfectly. They're not doing it better yeah. than people who don't feel like, yeah. you know, being hard on themselves. So it's not working. Right. You're, you're still showing up as a human being like everybody else. Right. But we do this with parenting too. like, I'm going to go off of perfectionism for a second. We'll have a, we'll grow up in a home where we're treated poorly or no one pays attention to us or they throw us in the deep end of the pool or whatever it may be. And we'll be like, you know what though? That's why I got strong.
0: Yeah. At what cost?
1: And there may be some truth. You did get strong. I'm not denying your experience, but it's a survivor
0: bias. It's like, couldn't it have been different? Right. Cause we'd only have one path to evaluate right if my kid it, it, let's you know i never get hit by my parents but like if my parents hit me when i was younger and i decided that oh that pushed me to excel and be you know number one in my class right or whatever like we don't have the other scenario whereas right. maybe my what if my hypothetical parents loved and nurtured and and met me with compassion we don't have that version to evaluate because we only have this one path. So Because I think
1: that's that one person's mindset.
0: Yes, right.
1: And you could, I bet we could, I don't know if, you know, control group here, I don't know if anyone's actually done the study because it would be hard to know which way was going to go which way. But there are plenty of kids that have been nurtured, supported, taken care of, not perfectly because you don't want a perfect parent because then you think everybody else needs to be perfect. You want a a human being as a parent, Whole. whole parent. And that they, but they, there's love, there's there's connection and that person can grow up and to be a a great success. There can also be somebody who is not treated well, who is not validated, not seen by their parents, whatever. There's not that connection and they may grow up and be successful. And I'm putting that in air quotes because while they may rise to the challenge of being in the Olympics or, um, you know, being great at sports or starting a business, what's going on in their internal world? Are they really better off for that?
0: Here's what what I see. Okay. This is about increasing the odds. We can love our kids with compassion and try to do it our version of perfect. And that doesn't mean that there's a possibility that the kid might get off track because of all these other variables that happen in a human being's life. But all we're trying to do is increase the odds that they're going to be quote-unquote successful people. Now, we can do a whole podcast on what successful people, what that means, because a lot of people are like money and fame and all that. Like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... Did the person make an impact of those around him in a positive way? For me, that's successful.
1: And is that person... To me, success is all internal. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, not only internal, but a big part of it is I can go out and, you know, I could put out a newsletter that reaches 10 people and I wrote something really important and I sent it to those 10 people and that to me will feel like a success because I feel good about what I wrote. I feel good about sharing. And then there's some people who wants it who want it to go out to 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. And it, success is a internal experience of, I feel like I am myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am in alignment. I feel like, actually, I have a great quote, Todd, from somebody, her name's um, Karen Hornet. And she, um, this is a Wrote this down on this piece of paper. Ironically, it really wasn't for this, but she said there is nothing more joyous than being all of ourselves and all of our feelings, and saying and doing all that is mine. And there is nothing more uncomfortable than trying to be somebody else or somebody perfect. Yeah, be yourself. So you be you. Success to me is you are being yourself. And sometimes your that authentic sh- self. Your authentic self. There was something it said. Um, Said to your point about you know what success is and what we're focusing on, there are pathways out of this perfectionism um, if we choose to organize our society in a way that prioritizes human needs rather than economic needs. Yeah, progress should be measured in metrics that measure wellness, not GDP. There you go. I think that Gen Z and millennials are doing a great job with this. It pisses Gen X off because they're like, you should be doing grunt work and you should be doing this and you should be doing this just like I did. But what a lot of millennials and Gen Zers are saying is, I don't want to just do things to take home a paycheck. I want to do things that make sense. I want to do things and then take a break. I want to do things and make sure that I'm I'm also here for my family. Now, I know sometimes that gets messy, Um but to at least start to move those things into the conversation mm-hmm. is if we have a much more healthy society that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. And for me, it's just the whole idea of increasing the odds. Like who knows how, you know, how much parenting impacts kids. I'm guessing that we have the most influence. Actually, I'm well, guessing I mean, we are. We do know that. We sentence. do. <laughs> of course, parenting impacts but, kids. Um, but if we, and there's no guarantees in life. No. Right? mm hmm All I'm trying to do is try to put our kid in a position to, to be quote unquote successful. And for me, it's when, on my good days, safe, seen, soothed, supported, love, compassion, all that stuff. It's not like the discipline stuff that Mm -hmm. sometimes gets thrown around so much, especially with us Gen X folks, because we got disciplined and we think we're okay and maybe we are okay, but could we have been better? I'm guessing probably. Well, we also
1: got, I mean, we kind of got ignored. Yeah. Like not because people didn't love us, but because it was culturally appropriate then. Yeah. You would just say, bye, kids, and we had to kind of go do it ourselves. And it didn't mean we weren't again, it was it's not about love. It's about we kinda of had to be a little more scrappy. And you know, I talking about our conference that we're, you know, doing um in January, Zen Parenting Twenty Twenty Four conference. Woo-woo. Talking about teens, you know, a lot of parents that I talk to who have teens, they still, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago with when I was your age, they still think they should be doing, they should be parenting their teens the same way they were parented. And I'm telling you, it is not the same time. Mm -hmm. We came up in a completely different time. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. And we need to focus on what's happening today what our kids need today and what their challenges are mm-hmm. not telling them they shouldn't feel a certain way because we didn't that's not fair
0: so are you ready for a movie Movie line? I am let's hear it what do they do to you There you go, sweetie. You yeah. quoting Breakfast Club. You didn't even know you were doing that, Allison. Yeah, isn't that the worst? I, I think a lot of I, this is probably going to get me into trouble. But John Bender got cigars burned onto his arm.
1: Yeah, he was but abused. At least his
0: parents, not at a, least. <laughs> no, what's the word?
1: He wasn't ignored. Right. He was abused. Yeah.
0: And I guess I would rather be ignored, yeah. but, ign- but being ignored is really messed up. Yeah.
1: Being ignored can, re- okay. Abuse messes with your psyche. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's just no, you can't say that sentence. That's why I'm not letting yeah, you right. because nobody wants right, to right, be abused. Right. Um, but someone is noticing you, right? Yeah. Almost too much to where they're harming you being completely ignored. There's like a, a lack of sense of self. Yeah. Like if nobody even acknowledges your presence, yeah. I mean, this is why, you know, a lot of kids and, and and this can be true no matter what. Again, this isn't an absolute with being ignored, but a lot of kids like to color their hair, get a lot of piercings, get a lot of nose rings, get a lot of tattoos. And that's not always. Sometimes kids do that because they do know themselves and they feel validated and seen and this is how they want to express themselves. But sometimes kids do that because they're like, I got to stand out a little more. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there, there's, I'm not feeling seen. And so, you know, when, if your kids are doing things or going, cause it's one thing to get a tattoo or, or a nose ring, it's another thing to get 10 of them. Right. So those kind of conversations where it's like, does this make you, you know, how do these things make you feel? Like we've been very, the girls, you know, as they become adults and everything, they can do what they want with, you know, they can make their own choices about tattoos and piercings and such. But When they tell me what they're interested in, I'm always curious to why, Yeah, you know, how does that make you feel? You know, is this something you've been thinking about a long time? You know, all all that kind of curiosity, not, I'm not, um, what's the word? I'm not berating them about it. I'm just curious. Well,
0: and uh, we've done, I think, a podcast on Ace score and yeah, ACE for adverse mm-hmm. childhood experience. We also have done a podcast on emotional neglect. Yeah, which is the opposite of that ACE score, right? So, um, all you got to do—well,
1: is- it's in there. Emotional it, neglect is the in ACE, the ACE score. Yeah, oh, it is. So, it's there is. It's kind of one of the last lines of one of the sentences. Got it. You know, like because because complete emotional neglect is a form of abuse. Yeah, like really, it's. It, I know these words feel really strong. But it is like when a child is, their emotions or their needs are completely avoided or told that they're not real. Mm-hmm. It's not that that hurts their psyche and their right. sense of self. Um, so, a few other things that I wanted to say. Oh, I loved this, Todd. You'll like this. Okay. There is a difference. So, this is about making mistakes, um, you know, thinking about perfectionism. It's more important to talk about humanizing. Versus humiliating. So as parents, when our kids make a mistake or or they're struggling with something, what we want to do is come in and humanize yeah. their experience. Like, oh, yeah, this happens. Oh, yeah, it can be tough. Yeah, you still have to clean up your mess. Like, you know, if a kid breaks a a, a glass, you know, to say, oh, it's, you know, it's a bummer that happened. You still need to clean it up. But it happens to all of us. Sure. So they still have to deal with it versus a kid breaks a glass and we say, you do that all the time. You're always dropping things. You're breaking things. Like you can't be trusted with anything. That's humiliating. Yeah. That's telling them that there's something innately wrong with them because they made a mistake. And w- one way we can go as developing children, if we're afraid of being humiliated, perfectionism is a path we can take. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's a healthy one. Right. I, I'm saying it can become a, a a voice in our head that tells us we aren't enough. Mm-hmm. And then we feel the need to, you know. So humanizing is the key. I love it. I yeah. love
0: it. Um, all right. Are we ready to close shop? Yeah, I think I'm good. Uh, let's see. Jeremy Craft, he's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630 956 We did not talk about Team Zen, uh, but we... Do the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tad'll like, try and do it off the top of his head. I'm like, say the thing. Join the Circle, which is the Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks all in one place, 25 bucks a month, Cancel at any time.
1: Okay, let's do something fun. Let's do this live. Now do that,
0: but use your hands. Join the Circle, which is the Team membership platform, an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection. Plus live talks all in one place. So you were higher? and so But no one talks like this. <laughs> well, sweetie, you are a I professional talk- <laughs> hand talker.
1: <laughs> so I was telling Todd, we were reading something before, like, you know, and if I don't use my hands, my voice inflection won't change. Like I'm doing it right now. Like I when I did my audio book, you should have seen the producers. They were like, oh my God. I was like talking with my hands the whole, they didn't care, but it, they kind of laughed at me a little bit. So- Todd is a wonderful reader. You have a great voice. You're a great podcast voice. But if you want to mod, if you want to go up and down, I feel like using your hands. You yeah. don't use your hands. I
0: don't know if I do. I have to kind of look at our old footage to see if I use my hands. But right now as I'm talking to you, I my hands are laying gently on the You're table. You're going like this. Yeah, I know. We got to we got to <laughs> put that in a YouTube clip. <laughs> It was so bad. Oh, God. Um, okay. Uh, so, yeah, we talked about all that stuff. So all right. We're going to go ahead and close shop. All right. We're going to play the music. Uh, keep trucking, everybody. Um, sign or uh, register to register the for event. the conference. It's going to be off the hook. Keep trucking.
1: Hey, everybody. We're thrilled to announce that the Zen Parenting Conference is back live and in person in 2024.
0: This year, our exclusive event will be centered around teens. Why? Because 30 years ago, the greatest threats to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today, it's currently anxiety, depression, suicide, self harm, cyberbullying, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our own. So let's get together and
1: talk about it. We owe it to them to listen, to have honest conversations, and to
0: live our way through it together. If you're currently parenting a teenager or have an emerging teen, this is an event you absolutely won't want to miss. We have limited seating this year, so secure your spot now. Go to zenparentingradio.com.
1: If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app. That includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us.
0: You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.